0: Hello everyone, my name's Jesse and this is after the gig. Welcome. Um this is the second attempt of recording this intro because I was stupid and didn't press the record button. I I, I think I think I'm probably like dyslexic. Or something. Something is going on that shouldn't be going on. Anyway, um, today on the show I have my good buddy Brandon Luciano. Uh, this will be the second podcast I've done with him. Uh, this is a part one because once again, it was super long and I've heard it all from you guys about how you don't like the super long one. So I'm keeping it short. I'm listening, and um this this one was really, really good. Talk a lot about people that we met influences or towards the end. I don't know exactly when it is, but I tell my story about when, um, the night that Tom Petty died and how we spent that night with Tom Petty's lighting designer of 25 years. And it was surreal and sad and, um, spectacularly lucky of us to be able to spend that time with someone that he was so close to. Um, which was very very cool. If you can hear it in the background, um, there is still work going on on my apartment, uh, on Jen and I's uh, apartment, and it's and it's so frustrating. And there's people coming in, in and out all the time. It's absolutely insane. So sorry, I apologize for any of the noise that's going on in the background. They're doing work, they're making it a better place, but um, that's it's just ongoing. It's something that we are dealing with, but Brandon, thanks for coming on again. Uh, before we get all started with that, I'll tell you about a couple gigs that I have coming up. July 13th, I'll be at Maymont in Richmond, Virginia with Carbon Leaf. Maymont is outside. I, I don't know. Um, I think you can bring like, bring some kids, bring your dogs. It's just a really fun time. I know, uh, um, I know last year was really, really, really fun. So we're hoping for good weather, and that'll be coming up in a few short weeks. So for those of you that are listening, that will be there, or that um, are Carbon Leaf fans, I know that you're out there. Come out, enjoy Maymont, and enjoy Maymont. I can't talk. There's something going on. So um, July at the end of July, I'll be back on the road with Stephen Kellogg which is exciting. I haven't played with Steven since this underwater sunshine music festival. That's Adam Durrett's festival in New York city, which was, I think over a year ago. So I'll be on July 22nd. I'll be in Crested Butte, Colorado, the 24th. I'll be in Denver, Colorado, which I believe is a private show or no, I think that one might be public. There's another one in, let me start over. (laughs) Um, July 22nd, Crested Butte, July 24th, Denver, Colorado, July 25th, Park City, Utah, uh, July 26th, Kemmer- Kemmerer, Wyoming, Camerer, I don't know how to say that. So um, I've never been there. July 27th is a private acoustic show in Denver, Colorado, and they head home. But I'm very excited to play those shows with Steven. I think I need to buy like a like a, a long brimmed hat Like some kind of cool looking hat. Because every time I see them play, they all have hats. Like Eric Donnelly has a hat. Steven has a couple hats now. And I think Boots had a hat. So I think I I have to get a hat. Anyway, um, I'll make that decision as it gets closer. But um, what else? I played a couple acoustic gigs this past weekend. And they were fun. Uh, that's really all I have to say about it. Saturday was a little tough because it was just one of those times when you're in a bar and people aren't listening. It's just after every song, it's crickets and it was tough, but I had a good time this weekend, um, kind of flexing that muscle and doing, doing that whole thing there is also something else very exciting that i would like to tell you about i'm going to be starting a patreon page or a patreon campaign for this podcast after the gig um if you don't know what patreon is patreon is a website that allows creators such as podcasts or anything musicians whatever um movie makers uh dog walkers doesn't matter um any any kind of creator that is looking to support what they do um and it works in tier levels almost like subscription-based kind of tier levels so what i would like to do here on my patreon page the show is going to stay completely the same it's going to be on apple itunes it's going to be on Spotify. wherever you listen to the podcast all that stuff is going to remain the same but to support the podcast even further, you can go on Patreon.com. You can give a little, you can give a lot, you can get anything in between. But anything that you give goes towards helping me out with the equipment costs, helping me out with staying in a town or places like Nashville, whatever, to get more interviews and talk to more people to make this show as good as it has been. Now, with that said, doing a crowdfunding, campaign was never really what i sought out to do um and i didn't really you know i looked around and patreon just kind of made sense um i do like the fact that along with your contributions to the to the project you get exclusive content in return now it's not exclusive content that patreon selects it's exclusive content that i select so i make the tier levels and there's gonna be stuff along the lines of in-show shout outs like i'll shout out your name i will answer your question things like um unreleased snippets of audio which is all really cool stuff that i just can't always put in every single show some of these shows go three hours some of these conversations go like three hours long and I can't, put, I can't make them three hours anymore. I, I got so many complaints about the shows being too long. And that's fine, because I probably wouldn't listen to a three-hour show myself. Um, so, we keep them short, an hour, hour and a half. Sometimes they go over that a little bit if they have to. But I have to take a lot of stuff out. So, I want to offer those snippets of unreleased audio as part of the deal part of the, the the tier level, part of the exchange of of your support. So all that I ask is that you you keep listening. Like I said, the show is not going to change. But if you want to take a look at some of these other things, some of these options, and just know that if you support, then that's, you know, I, I love doing this. I love... I love doing this podcast it's something i've been wanting to do for a while now but it takes up a lot of time and this is just kind of the inevitable next step for it and if you can support or if you have anything to give if you want to do that and you want to receive these things in return which i think are totally worth it then please please be a part of it please help me out you have no idea how much I appreciate it and you have no idea how much I appreciate your emails and and coming out uh, at, after the shows and telling me that you even just listen to the podcast it just it, it means so much to me and um, I'm not exactly sure when the patreon page will be up and ready but I'm trying for mid-july. I'm in the process of making it right now it's not published um, in the process of setting the tier levels and what's going to go where, but if you can give anything, if you can help me out, if you can, if you can support the show, I would be greatly, I, I would appreciate it so much. You have no idea. Um, but that's it. That's it for now. Um, I'll probably talk a little bit about it in the next show or something like that when, when I have some more updates, but, uh, that's what I'm working on. And, Let's move on to today's show. the important part. Brandon Luciano's on. you know you've you've heard you've heard him before, and he's a great guy and he's a really good friend. and I'm really happy uh, and lucky to be able to have these conversations with him and um, and I really hope you get something out of it because I get something out of it every time. Uh, this is a part one And without further ado Please enjoy this conversation with my good friend Brandon Luciano
1: Oh there my heart is open Wider than it's ever been It's clear that I'm in love with you If ever you were to find much more of a clever man be on forever I'd be blue No matter
0: what your mama says I
2: can't
0: help feeling like I feel I know you yeah, those, um, those things are Those things are awesome. They've they've I mean, I've had them for so long.
2: I'm just now realizing I probably forgot to turn my headphones off last time I left. You did? Which makes me a terrible terrible person.
0: And it's totally fine. <laughs>
2: Well, I still submit that I'm a terrible person.
0: No. That's okay. No, no. You know who is a terrible person? I'm trying to think of someone that's terrible. (laughs) You should have had something queued up. You know what I noticed from the last time you did that I learned a lot about myself is that, like, I can be, like, pretty negative. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) I'm going to try to... I'm gonna try to be less negative i actually listened to um the Bonnie iver uh i was lis- i didn't listen to the whole album but i listened to most of it when i was driving around today
2: so did you did you start is that the first like sit down i'm gonna listen to Bonnie iver experience that you had or did you when yeah. i sent you the things the other night did you listen to any of that
0: no this this was the first the first experience okay so you're gonna go backwards okay wait when when was that album made
2: that was either 2014 or 2016. Okay, so it's rel-
0: relatively recent. Is his
2: newest uh, Bonnie Ver album? Okay, um, and then the original one that uh, the first one uh, for Emma Forever Ago came out, and I want to say 08, maybe 09. Yeah, um, just
0: so th- bringing up his discography as we speak.
2: So that's the. Um, <clears throat> that's the the original you know he went into the woods he was i think he had mono or something and went into the woods in his father's cabin and recorded that album was that was
0: that the album that kanye sampled or um or is that song
2: off of that album that song that he sampled was a song called the the woods or just woods that was from a a short ep he did um I forget the name of the EP. I, I don't know if it was Blood Bank or not, but the first song on it's called it was, Blood yeah. Bank. Was it Blood Bank? Yeah, it's the okay. last
0: track on Blood Bank.
2: Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a great little collection of songs, but he uh, he sampled the woods. And I don't know when that came out. That would have been after forever ago,
0: maybe? Yeah, I'm excited to get deeper into it, because it was How like, far in did you get? Um, now that I'm looking at the album, it looks like... It looks like it was bouncing me around a little bit. I probably had it on shuffle, mm. um, but it was cool, man. Everything, everything that I heard had like it had the sound that I was familiar with. Okay. So, yeah, I, I listened to it, and I feel like I was like, oh, I think I've, I think I've actually heard a little bit of this before, but never like really dug into it. Yeah. And it was probably, you know, if it was 2016. Yeah, I'm sure you've come across it somewhere or another. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's... I like all the track names on this album. Yeah, there's there's a... It's a visual, it's very much kind of, it'd be hard to remember. (laughs) Yeah. Remember the song names when you're trying to call something back, but it's, it's very interesting.
2: It's funny, when he released the album, I went down, so I went down this fucking rabbit hole within like the last six or seven months. Yeah. Where I was just like watching like I would just search Bonnie Vare on YouTube and just watch fucking
0: everything that came up. And that YouTube search, when you when you get in there, there's no you're there just is no turning back. Yeah. Yeah. You watch everything.
2: You either fall asleep or the house catches on fire. There's no stopping. You there's just no, keep no going. stopping. And you just
0: continue to sit there in your underpants.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so when he released that album 20 to a million he um he had this this uh he did this press release and he invited all these um you know these these journalists and whatever to this hotel that he owns out in uh out in wisconsin and i guess they had a listening party but there's this long jesus it must be like an hour and a half two hours long um press release uh where he just goes out on stage into this tiny little venue is maybe, you know, without the tables it would probably be like a two hundred person. Space. And this is
0: something that they're just he's just filming for, yeah. for
2: press? So yes. I don't know who filmed it because I don't think it's released on his channel, but it was <laughs> it's a typical Justin Vernon thing. They filmed it from behind him. Oh. So all you see, you see him sitting at a table and you see his back and he's answering questions, and you don't even really see the people asking the questions. There's just questions popping up because it's how the white. It's like how you would well, see it when
0: you're actually on stage.
2: No, he's just very anti-fame. Okay, I think. He, all right. He doesn't really like to show his face. He talks about it a little bit. Yeah. So it um, seems
0: like there's like a like a buffer he, creates, he yeah, creates. this kind of buffer.
2: I think someone at one point asked the question of, um, you know why what's up with the the art on this album you know your face seems to be hidden in a lot of these pictures and stuff and mm-hmm. he gave this long explanation but the gist of it was basically like i don't think that you know my face should necessarily dictate my music and, yeah you know this is just you know it is what it is so
0: i equate him a little bit to how the gorillas run there yeah on stage kind of and 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 uh outside persona what do they do on stage I don't know if they're still doing it this way, but when I was watching them on Palladia, there was a concert on there, and the lead singer was in the very back of the stage, sideways, and he was he was like silhouetted, so you couldn't really see who it was. You could hear him sing, you could see the silhouette, and uh, it was very, it's very cool. But a lot of their show is all imagery behind Mm -hmm. them is you can you can see all the gorillas and all like the uh the animations Animations. what about the band the band is is there they're They're on stage they're on stage and no masks or anything they're just on stage i don't remember there being any masks. that's a good that's a good question but there was it was a sizable band that there was a string section and everything it's on it's probably somewhere in uh, on youtube you can probably see um see their concerts somewhere but uh i thought that was pretty interesting how how the lead singer was in the back yeah and then i think they were on jules holland not too long ago and he was up front so he kind of ditched that whole thing and maybe wanted to be out front a little bit more than he had been
2: yeah did you see um, uh did you go to boston have you been to any of the boston calling never i've always wanted to okay the the best one in my opinion and I'm obviously biased because it's the only one I've been to. So the best one in the last few years. Yeah. Um, you went when it was in the North End, right? No, I went when the, the first year they did it in 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 uh, at the Harvard
0: in like venue. the Alston, Alston kind of area. Yeah, that was that was last year was the first year, right? Two years ago. Two years ago.
2: Um, yeah. and the headliners were uh, Chance the Rapper, Mumford and Sons, and Tool. Yeah, we, I remember and, that year. And, and, and Tool was like. It was their first major show, from what I understand. I'm not a big Tool fan. First major show? It was like their first major show in like a long time. Oh, okay. Like I guess they had taken a, like a break and you gotcha. Know, I, I don't really know anything about them, but yeah. From what I understand, yeah, he was basically kind of off stage and half hidden for a good portion of the show, and um, yeah, which which is really kind of an interesting concept. What what is your take on on like? Fame and uh, just mm. how it affects you as a musician, and what it does or doesn't do for the quality of the music, and what what is your? Because I mean, obviously you're you know you're with a, a fairly well known band, and yeah. you know I think you've been telling me you told me a couple stories here or there of people that recognize you and stuff like that. Yeah, what, what's pop your take up. on it? Like, what is
0: your? Well, there's a couple things. After a show, when we do a meet and greet or something like that. I I don't love that aspect of it because they just saw you work. You're sweaty. You're not really at your best. You're a little bit more vulnerable than you really want to be. Yeah. Um. So that part of it kind of weirds me out a little bit. Sometimes it can be a little scary because I, I met Christina Grimmie mm-hmm. like a month before she was shot and killed at a wow at her uh, meet and greet. Granted, that was an isolated incident because I think it was a former boyfriend or something like that. Yeah. But ever since that happened, I met her on her 22nd birthday when she was opening for Rachel Platten. And I got to hang out with her uh, backstage, the whole deal. Um, and it was her birthday. She was like such a great kid. Yeah. And uh, a month later when I saw that on the news, you know, we were like heartbroken. Yeah, of course. Like, oh, oh, I can't believe this would happen sure at, after a show of all you know of all things and all places but um that was pretty sad and yeah. every time we do uh, a meet and greet you know i think about that and and sure. uh, i try i try not to let it dictate how i react to fans and, and a lot of times we have young fans there that are just so excited to be at maybe their first concert yeah and you right. think about your first concert and oh yeah and, and how cool it would have been to meet the band and all that. So you try to give them the best experience possible. Um, I've been, I don't know, recognized a few times, a lot of times in the Richmond airport, True. um, uh, walking around, uh, Richmond, sometimes will people, people will recognize you and stuff like that, but I don't really have an issue with it. I'm always happy to take a picture or say hello or, you know, I'm really not that big of a deal. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's more like when you're at the shows, people will, like, bug you a little bit more. Maybe they've had a little bit to drink. And, yeah, right. But I'm pretty good at dealing with it, Being a, having been a bartender for 10 years. So sure. So I know how to kind of deflect some things. Yeah, and, and deal get, with people. Get out general. of the situation. Sure.
2: Um, what do you think, I mean, when when you really get to, like, a, you know, ridiculous fame level, like, a, you know... I mean, a Drake or a Rihanna or a yeah. Beyonce or a Jay Z or you know someone like that, where it's like, you know, you. I mean, you literally can't go anywhere, yeah. anywhere, potentially in the world mm-hmm. without
0: someone knowing who you are. Yeah. Um, I used to have, I used to really, uh, I used to want that. Yeah. When I was younger, and the more that I get, do get recognized but by playing with either Carbon Leaf or Stephen Kellogg or whoever. Uh, Eric Hutchinson it's like the more you realize that you're like okay I'm pretty happy with with the anonymity yeah I'm pretty happy being able to uh you know kind of sneak into the back the back door and not really have anybody bother me yeah uh Stephen Kellogg told me a cool story about um the sax player of OAR his name's Jerry Jerry DePiazzo I'm definitely saying his last name wrong uh (laughs) But he played a sold-out show at Madison Square Garden with OAR. Yeah, and he walked down the street. Nobody said a word to him. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. If it was Mark Roberts, the lead singer, different story. Yeah, he walks right in with a saxophone case into the back door. Nobody bothered him, and then he went up there and played in front of however many people can fit in Madison Square Garden's, like seventy or sixty thousand, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, it's probably less than that, but it's a lot. Um, I think it's thirty. 30 that would make that would probably make more sense whatever it's a shitload of people. it's a lot of people (laughs) um but the more the more i think about it the more i would like quiet fame like keep a low profile yeah you know you never you can never anticipate what money's gonna do sure to you but i feel like after you reach a certain age it doesn't affect you as much, yeah, because you've been working so hard and you like earn that shit,
2: <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, you either you either you know, I mean, when you when you become like a Justin Bieber, right, where you I don't know start how you deal with that. I don't either. When you start making ungodly sums of money, yeah. and you're not a fully developed and mature right. human yet. You're talented,
0: you're you're like attractive. Yeah. Everybody is screaming right. every single time you're outside the, anywhere. The sky's the limit. There are absolutely no
2: one says no to you mm-hmm. anywhere ever. And it's just, I mean, it's really no wonder that you're, you know, driving a Lamborghini at 800 miles an hour through a neighborhood and acting like a complete asshole. Because you need to feel something. Yeah, exactly. Right, (laughs) exactly.
0: Because that kind of shit. Drive. I mean, that. I would totally drive a Lamborghini through a neighborhood at 100 miles an hour. Well, to be fair, I would at I, least I, I once, once. Well, but I would tell the neighborhood I was going to do it. I, I would. I'd block off the. <laughs> I'd block off the road. Be like, I need to do this. I don't want anyone to get hurt. Please, everyone, just be nice about this. I'm just, I just want to use my money. This is just a man living the, out his this dream. A man living out his dream. Please <laughs> let me do this. And I would find. I would keep going until I found a neighborhood that let me do that. Yeah um okay imagine being Paul McCartney though yeah like, Justin Bieber is one like yeah of course but Paul McCartney and of course the rest of the Beatles but Paul is still out there playing right now so that's kind of my my example but he started off in the Beatles w- what was he like you know tw- 19 20 yeah young I think. very young every person is screaming they don't even, like they don't even know what they're screaming about the Beatlemania thing they yeah. couldn't go anywhere, Paul McCartney still gets that same treatment to this day. And he is an old man. Do you think that it's insane? Yeah, it is insane. It's cool. It's cool as fuck. It really is. He, it,
2: he's cool as fuck. Because he's really gone through two, debatably, three generations of music fans now. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And to still get that, you know, that kind of reception. Um, do you think that fame has changed since i mean when, yeah. you, when you look at paul mccartney and the beatles uh and the whole Beatlemania, and and the whole british invasion thing and all that um you know i mean you were seeing these guys on tv that's it right yeah. you were seeing them on the ed sullivan show you were seeing them uh you know award shows and and whatever the, whatever the hell it was right yeah. um well i mean anyone can be famous now yeah An- anybody and, right So, you know, you were seeing them on TV Mm -hmm. and you were seeing them in the newspaper. And then if you were lucky enough, you got to see them on stage. And if you were bananas, like extraordinarily lucky, Mm -hmm. maybe you got to see them in person or meet them. Right. Yeah. And that that has to be mind blowing. Yeah. Um, But now. Fame has become this really weird thing because, I mean, you are in front of someone's face all the time now on social media and on right. TV and on, online. And I think it's, I don't know if it's gotten better or worse. I mean, potentially worse as far as an artist is concerned, I think, right? Yeah,
0: I don't, that's a good question. I don't really know. I, I, I don't know if it's better or worse. I just know it's different. I just know that yeah. there's a lot of... There's a lot of people, or quote unquote influencers, out there on Instagram or Facebook, whatever it may be, yeah. That are, you know, they're just they're they're Instagram models basically, and mm-hmm. they and they get paid X amount of money to make posts for certain products and sell things, yeah. Um, and that I mean, if a if a company is going to spend its its money marketing, why not do it that way? Yeah. I've definitely bought stuff because yeah. I saw someone famous on Instagram. Sure. But I don't really think, you know, I'm not going to go up to that person and see, I wouldn't seek that person out for any kind of thing other yeah. than looking at them on Instagram. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. And there's I no, think there's
2: no talent. There. I think that's a very two dimensional, you know, marketing companies are taking advantage of that on a very two dimensional level, but, mm. um, when you've got someone that's an artist a musician that is you know they can play they can you know do all this stuff um live that's a very different thing right because that's more in demand people want to see that person i don't really have yeah. any desire to meet like you said like an online influencer like I don't amanda care. cerny yeah
0: i don't care you know i like or or logan paul yeah. like who i don't care i watch that stuff on instagram because it's a fucking train wreck yeah <laughs> and it's hilarious yeah it's entertaining and it's great you know and and i think those those people i mean it, it's i'm not i don't want to i don't want to uh discount it anyway because it's no small feat to get millions of followers yeah. on on instagram that are real followers but yeah way. right right um i think that's i think that's incredible yeah um i wish i surely wish that i had more followers and stuff and yeah and people get into the you know, the game of you want likes and you want people to comment and it's, it's addicting. You know, when I first, when I launched the, uh, the Instagram for this podcast, I was on my phone constantly just trying to yeah. push it and see how the promotion was going and, yeah. and stuff like that. And it's just, it's a little crazy. And then you, and then I realize I'm like, okay, I need to put this phone down because this doesn't matter. Yeah, and I've right. done whatever I could do. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I'm gonna live in my reality now. Yeah. Not not this this alternate reality. Do, but, do you <clears throat> um
2: to to bring it full circle, I think one of the things that is kind of appealing to me about um Justin Vernon, um, who's this is the lead singer of Bonnie Iver, by the way. Yeah. Is uh the fact that he does kind of refuse the whole fame thing i mean obviously i absolutely love his music and his art and everything that he does but um i think it adds another layer of of mystery
0: i was just about and to appeal, say for me anyway i feel like people love mystery yeah sometimes you know almost works the opposite way uh if you don't put things in people's faces all the time yep they're more you're more trying to draw them in and not beat them over their head with your content yeah i like that man i i personally prefer someone that is a little bit more mysterious holds back a little bit i'm i'm more willing to go and like seek it out and search what they're doing yeah that's i don't know i uh there's not many artists like that do you think do you think that might be like a detriment to him at some points like do you think he could be more successful than he is at I this don't, present time? I don't
2: think he wants to be. Yeah. And I think at times he could not to say he's not Oh, I mean, he's mega successful. He's mega successful. I mean, could could I'm just he, talking household could he name. be more successful if he like did award shows and, you know, was right. all over his own Instagram and stuff like that? Yeah, probably. But, but he wouldn't be that same guy. He wouldn't be the same guy. I don't think he has any desire to do that. I think he has difficulty dealing with the fame that he does have Mm -hmm. which is actually a huge topic on that album Twenty Two a million he kind of went to this island and had this
0: weird kind of breakdown yeah um well like chappelle chappelle went that's kind of what he went through yeah he got too famous and he was like i need to take a step back because he's a regular guy yeah Uh, i mean i don't know him personally but from what i gather by his stand-up and his interviews and stuff he's just he's just a regular guy a very, a very talented regular guy
2: yeah i think i think we maybe not us because we're we, you know we obviously have a i think a little bit closer of a vantage point into the music industry than the average person but um i think even me and maybe you sometimes forget that these people that we we idolize and they you know we love their art and we stare at their picture as we're listening to their music on our phone and um we kind of forget that these are real human beings mm. that when you go see them at a show and it's this you know it's either this theatrical thing or it's just a guy out there with a guitar they're at work yeah you know they're out yeah. there they're doing their thing they're that's their they're job. being that's their job you know and um. I think it's very easy to forget that possibly easier to forget that now than it was 20 30 years ago because there's all these extra layers to shit with social
0: media and stuff like that but um well you can definitely tell that he's not like a narcissist or anything like that
2: no i i i actually he played at p-pack um in december of 2017 and I went to go see him um and i I was there early because I was meeting some friends there or whatever and um you know I went out to eat with with uh, kathy and I happened to be what did you guys eat what did we eat
3: yeah
0: I, I don't you remember I don't remember okay so so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like the greatest meal you've ever had
2: no All right. <laughs>
0: Was it,
2: <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny to me <laughs> was
0: it uh that stopped me dead in my tracks what did you guys eat <laughs> was it was it like uh new york system hot wieners or something it was not it was imagine having not that, not that imagine having that before you go anywhere nobody's had i would not recommend nobody's that. had new york system before they did anything the no, only time that's true the only someone had, has and the only then time, had violent
2: diarrhea halfway exactly. through whatever they're you do
0: that once. You do that one time. <laughs> one time, and you made the mistake, and then and you and, never do it and again. And you correct. Yeah. And if you do, again, if you do do, if you do do it again, <laughs> course correction. You better be close to a bathroom. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's going to fuck you up.
2: <laughs> so, anyway. So, show up, P Pack. Uh, so, long story short, I was just milling around the venue, and um, he was outside with um, him and, and I guess a couple of his roadies, and uh, we were just talking. And, and shooting the shit about how I had seen him at the, at the Boston calling show and, and he's, you can tell that he doesn't really deal with, you know, unknown people in his space very well he was super, uh, super cool and, and very accommodating and he wasn't standoffish or weird or anything, but you could kind of tell, you can get, just get that vibe that like, I, you know, I really don't want to be talking to you right now, but I'm a right. friendly person. So I'm going to do that. But I'm not, I'm not rude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it just all kind of fit. Like after wow. having listened to his music and all that, like if I had met him and he was like doing somersaults and like, hey man, how you doing? Blow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Some guys are like that, but <sighs> and it just that wouldn't have fit, but th- it totally made sense. Yeah.
0: Um, I I always have a, a hard time talking to uh, like famous people or people that I look up to. I don't really know how to talk to them. I have no idea how to approach them. <laughs> I am very very bad at it. Some people I know. Do you, you get just- nervous? Like I if it's someone that
2: you really, really
0: admire and you've been listening to them for years, and you like, I would absolutely get nervous. But the first thing that comes to my mind of like what I would say to them is, "Oh man, I'm I'm such a big fan," which I feels so stupid it, as like a musician. It it I mean it is it's pretty stupid, but, but we, it's all, really we all we all do it. It's really not though. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it, and, and here is where it comes from. I don't want to like go into something that I've seen on Instagram that is kind of like maybe a personal thing for them. I don't want to act like I already know the person Yeah. when I'm talking to them. Yeah. So, I try to go in as if I was a fan so I can try to spark up some kind of natural conversation and then maybe like become best friends with them. <laughs> see, see, I'm exactly the opposite. Okay. I... Usually when
2: I talk to, if I talk to a famous person, it's either because I stumbled upon it by accident or because, you know, there's some kind of business related
0: thing or something like that. But then in that instance, you have a common thread. Like I would rather meet up with somebody that was at a show or or something like that because then we would have some common ground that would be able to talk about. Like I met TJ Miller at uh at the end of one of carbon leaf's last shows last year yeah because he was performing the late show in annapolis at this place called uh ram's head on stage so he was doing stand-up comedy for the late show we were doing the afternoon matinee mm-hmm. and he got there early watched the show and was like just hanging out while we were packing up and yeah. it was cool because yeah. i just went we went up to him we're like hey you know and he was asking us questions mm-hmm. it's different when you're in that position rather than being the approacher yeah i'd rather be the approache than the approacher.
2: i see i like i said i'm i'm the opposite in that i feel like if i go up to someone that's famous and i start i open the conversation with hey i'm a huge fan i i I feel like the perception from that person is just going to be like ugh. All right. Course, here we go again. You are. Yeah. Here we go again, you know. And then that's probably unfair because I think there's a lot of people out there that are very grateful for their fans. Yeah. Um you know, I think Justin Vernon being one of them. Um but at the same time, I just I don't want to just be just another person, right? If I want to have yeah. a conversation with somebody, I want to try to like break the mold try to connect and connect on something because I think if someone came up to you every single day multiple times a day and said hi Jesse I'm a big fan yeah I think for the first couple of years, you'd be like, oh, this is, this is awesome, and you'd really appreciate every single fan. But I think it would lose its luster after yeah. a while because it would be like someone coming up to you and poking you in the nipple every day. Yeah. Right? It just – eventually, you wouldn't even feel it anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I would rather come up and, and poke you in the forehead, right? Let's try yeah. something
0: different. It's like, oh, man, I felt that. I want to talk to this guy.
2: I went to – in um i was probably it was probably junior year maybe of college i don't know how or why i don't remember the context but i went to a party that timbaland hosted at patriot place yeah um and at that point who was he doing there i don't remember what the context was but he was hosting some kind of party and it wasn't there wasn't like a lot of people there huh um, it was maybe a hundred and fifty people. I don't know how the hell I got in. I don't remember any of this. Um, but I, uh, you know, he showed up super super late, of course, um, and the whole party had been going on and blah 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 blah. And so I, I remember walking up to him, and I just I I, I think I did actually start with you know hey I'm a big fan. And at that point, I had I was at like peak Timbaland like obsession mode because mm-hmm. I was like really into making beats and like he was an, a producer that I really, really loved. And um, I think I, I, I totally fucked up because I didn't realize, I thought he wasn't going to show up. So I gave his brother, this guy, this artist, Sebastian, m- one of my beat CDs, the only one I had on me. And um, I actually exchanged contact information with him, and I figured, all right, well, that's I shot my shot, and then and t- when was this? Like what? What year? It was probably two thousand six, two thousand seven. This is years and years, years ago. ago. Okay, and uh, and then Timberland showed up, and I was like, fuck, <laughs> I could have, I, I should have just waited. <laughs> um. But I went up and I said, Hey, man, I, I met Sebastian, you know, really cool guy. I gave him my beat CD. How are you? And I talked with him about fucking nonsense or whatever. And, um, I remember he had this watch on that looked like a fucking dinner plate on his <laughs> wrist and had diamonds the size of infants, like <laughs> all the way around it. And, uh, I could see his like security guards like around him, just kind of like they weren't scared of me because I was just yeah. you know some skinny white dude. Yeah, it's
0: like we can take care of this. guy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they do, if he if he makes a move, we'll just send Jerry over there it's, it's and over. We'll, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it wasn't. I I never really get like weirdly starstruck. Like I I, yeah. I guess I'm really lucky in that
0: sense that that's good. I think that's a pretty good skill to have i mean the the most famous skill that i've developed it's just a thing that i have i think (laughs) i get nervous i mean the the most famous person that i probably met was noel gallagher and I i met him in a drum shop in in nashville and it was the perfect situation perfect scenario and i was with a friend of mine it was me my buddy actually chris the dude that painted these paintings yep um and Noel Gallagher just walks in randomly, and just you know, it's him and his and his wife, that girlfriend, wife, whoever it was. They were just looking at random shit on the wall, just chilling. We're the only people there, and I'm literally freaking out inside my body because <laughs> just having a panic attack. I mean, I was I was getting like the feeling you get when you like want to kiss a girl for the first time. Yeah. I was, yes. getting, I was getting that feeling. Yes. I know my, what you mean. My heart was starting to go and I was like, should I talk to him? Mm-hmm. And I guess what my tendency really is when I'm, when a famous person is in front of me that I want to talk to, my tendency is just to say like, Oh, I just want to say hi and, and just get out of there, walk away and not like make anything more of it. Yeah. Um, the other tendency is like, how can I, how can this benefit me in some way which is so selfish or whatever it is selfish but it's <clears throat> it's dude it's like this could change everything for me it could
2: yeah how many stories have you heard that like dr dre discovered eminem from a
0: fucking tape that was in jimmy iovine's basement yeah like shit just happens stuff Like stuff just happens and uh i eventually went up to him and my, my whole, uh, my whole thing was cause I mean, I'm such a big fan mm-hmm. and that music that he wrote meant so much to me. Sure. All I wanted to do was say thank you to him. And I, and I went up to him. I was like, Hey man, this isn't, you know, I don't want to bother you or anything. I know with, you're with your, your girl there, but, um, I just wanted to tell you, say thank you for all the years of songwriting and all the music that you created that meant a lot to a lot of people including me yeah and he he was like blown away he's he, he was like thank you so much you know and he's a pretty famous guy he's been dealing with dealing yeah. with it for a long time yeah um but he was very nice and very gracious and he definitely could have told me to fuck off and <laughs> and walk away but i asked him i was like this is super uncool but there's no way i can't ask you for a picture right now so i i got a picture with him he took it yeah um it was great, you know, and I was pretty satisfied because I didn't want to get anything out of it. Yeah, I just went up to him. I was like, "Hey, you, your like what you did in your life meant a lot to me." Yeah, and and I just wanted to say thank you. That was it. I did the same thing with Quincy Jones in. Uh, oh, that's right. In Met Vegas. Quincy.
2: Yeah, in October. You. Um, I I walked up to him, and you know he was all cordoned off and (laughs) it somehow got into the section he was in um and i just i shook his hand and i got a chance to sit down next to him and we talked for a few minutes and i just said dude i didn't say dude i said hey bro (laughs) i said mr jones thank you so much um for all the music you put into the world i said you know a, a lot of the work that you did with michael jackson really shaped my upbringing it's the first you know one of the first things i've ever listened to and really appreciated as a young kid and it kind of sent me on this path of loving music and i'm in the music now and this is what i do and blah, blah 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 yeah and um doesn't really get much better than that so yeah what, el- what else can you say and at one point i had said you know thank you for thriller and um and he he was still genuinely really excited about it he said you know, we sold 120 million, man. Can you believe that? Yeah. I was like, no, I can't. I can't <laughs> no, believe I can't. that at all. That's a very hard number for my brain to, <laughs> yeah. to
0: handle. It's a big number when you're talking about record sales.
2: Yeah, but he was he was still really into it. And he was talking to me about the lights and all the crazy shit that was going on in the, in the club we were in and all this other stuff. And like, obviously not crazy jaded to the point where it all went to his head. And it, I don't think he had very i mean i'm sure he has an ego to an extent but it certainly
0: was not visible yeah. at that point i don't think he does i think how uh, how open he is about his career and yeah <clears throat> what he's done and i've read a couple of his books um on producing and stuff and it doesn't seem very egotistical to me i'm sure back in the day you know he was he was a dude trying to get shit done but he's it just seems to me from the outside you know from watching his documentary and all that stuff yeah it just seems like a straight up cool dude that had that got a great opportunity took advantage of it was always prepared super talented and and you know pe- people want to be around him yeah
2: i i think there's something to be said about when you get to a certain level of accomplishment where you don't really have anything left to prove anymore
0: yeah but you stay hungry
2: there's uh, yeah and And interested i think there's a freedom in that right yeah i mean you look at like a quincy jones you look at um i mean i i'm blanking right now but uh i mean i guess eric clapton um you know some of these really paul mccartney right you look Mm -hmm. at some of these really really uber famous musicians um that have they've they've won the awards, they've done the tours, they've done all this stuff, and now they're at the point where they can kind of do what
0: they want. Yeah, you know? Do whatever you want. It's almost like you're building up points like later on in your life, you yeah. can cash in those points to kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. Did you ever read any of Quincy's books? Did no. that did affect or did his uh excuse me, did his production style ever like affect any of your production decisions or um, e- even later on
2: I, I don't know that it was like a, a serious thing where i mm. i listened to a song and went that's cool i know that i'm gonna try that myself mm. um which i i actually do with a lot of producers but um i think it's all been kind of in the ether in the subconscious yeah. where a, a, i mean all of this music has just kind of shaped my own taste in music and the stuff that I've listened to and the stuff that I've appreciated. So I don't think directly, um, but definitely indirectly.
0: Yeah. What do you think the best, you know, if you're for a producer, what, what do you think is the best way to go about producing a record or, or like what kind of style are you gravitated towards? I don't know if that's the best way to word that question. But. I
2: think those are two very different questions.
0: Uh, well, let's tackle this one first. The Just the style that a producer would have with an artist to kind of get what they want out of them. Well, there's two people there, two different personalities.
2: I'm always very fascinated by this because um, my a bulk of my background in, in production um, is hip-hop production. Yeah, And that is, you know, by and large, I make a beat and I find an artist that I think will work well on it, right? So, you know, maybe there's some collaborative stuff that happens later and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of the way I started out was, okay, here's a beat. It's fully formed. Okay, you want three more bars here or whatever. Okay, I can do that. But this is the beat. And then you just go do your thing. So right? basically, so like, like a
0: plug, plug the artist into your exactly thing. Um, as so as you I, would, you would be as a producer, you would be searching for a specific thing. It's almost like casting a movie.
2: Well, I, yeah, potentially, yeah. I mean, I think when I first started out. I was just making just making beats, just making yeah. music, whatever came to me, whatever I felt like sampling, whatever I felt like playing just came out and there's what it is. And then a- as it got made or as it was finished, I would think, oh, I think I know who would sound really good on this or who I think would appreciate this or whatever, and I'd, I'd yeah. send it to that person. Um, but then as I kind of got more into like the real studio atmosphere, I started kind of coming online with you know the more traditional um, production style which I think is mm. you know a, a collaborative developmental thing yeah which I actually appreciate more and as I as I get older and as I do this more and more I find myself gravitating towards that a little bit more because I don't I don't play any one particular instrument particularly well. Um, so I know at some point or another, you know, if I come up with a, a, a key line or, or, you know, a bass line or whatever it is, I know I'm going to want another uh, a bassist to come in and play that line. Um, but I don't necessarily want them to play it exactly like I did it in MIDI. Right. I want to hear their take on it. right? Yeah, if it's a bassist that. that I know and I trust, I want to hear, okay, this is the skeleton of what I want.
0: But make it sexy, right? Yeah. Don't do something cool with this. Yeah. Um, I know when I'm writing something, I can I can play like a guitar part. Just just to be specific, I can play a guitar part kind of the way that I want it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not I'm never gonna play my own guitar solo because I know yeah I know X Y and Z can t- can do it way better. Yep. Um, drums kind of the same thing. But if I'm playing like a MIDI bass line, I know that. Is going to change and it's going to, if I get it, get these parts to uh, whoever it may be, whatever musicians, it's going to breathe some kind of different life into it. Sure. Which I prefer. Yeah. I don't like to be like, all right, play like this, like this. You go here, you go there. Yeah. I like to be like, here's the chords, here's the parts. Let's see where it goes, you know?
2: Yeah. There's very few things that I do that are okay I want this played exactly like this yeah and and even that's that's very few and far between um but yeah so I think in the beginning uh, just to kind of tie into the two people that we've talked about in in the the beginning in the beginning I was influenced by like a Timbaland who just sits in the studio and just makes beats
0: yeah go 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 go
2: right and then as I'm growing older I'm kind of turning into i'm turning into quincy
0: jones turning into an old man no
2: i'm 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 kind of developing that are you becoming
0: an old black man yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i prefer the yeah this has been very one-sided what do you (laughs) what do you prefer um i'm i kind of gravitate towards like a rick rubin kind of guy you know what you know what you're fucking love rick rubin you know i mean He's been on so much great stuff, but the reason why I think it's great is because he just takes an artist. I feel like he could work with anybody, anyone with any kind of talent. He can. He he, has. He has. And
2: he's succeeded almost every single time.
0: Right. And the reason why I think he's succeeded is because he's not telling the artist what to do. He's taking what the artist does and he's amplifying it and he's building. Yeah building from that foundation yes I love that yeah and I really think that's where the best music comes from you know he's not gonna you know he might say like oh let's try it a certain way or no I didn't like what you did there we need it to be like this he'll he'll say like oh that was interesting what you did there take what you did there and try to like expand on it he'll be a little bit more vague probably in his direction not probably I mean I've heard I've I've seen plenty of footage on how he does it He's a little bit more vague but he's always in this positive atmosphere yeah doesn't seem like there's any uh pushing and pulling it's it's very much like water you know to to sound like bruce lee it's like water it goes it fits anywhere um that's kind of i think i mean when he produced blood sugar sex magic by the chili peppers yep that that's their best album for, for me personally yeah um you know uh not uh 99 problems is is my probably my favorite song off the the black black album one of my favorites great footage from that fade to black documentary of them in the studio together i love that yeah um and he's just you're almost you're almost saying like why is rick even there yeah he's creating that environment yeah for that to be able to happen. Yeah. A lot of times you, you run into brick walls in the studio and there's egos and there's yeah. um, stuff like that. I I mean, I've dealt with so much of that and it's so frustrating. It's one reason why I'd like to get more into producing just to try my hand at it. But yeah. um, what's,
2: what's really cool about that, especially that footage in fade to black
0: is, I gotta watch that DVD again. I, it's, it's, I've watched it so many times, but it's been a long time since I've watched it.
2: Yeah, I either, I do, I watch that one of two ways. I either watch, very rarely do I watch the whole thing start to finish all the way through without touching the remote control. Mm -hmm. I will either watch it strictly for the concert scenes, or I will watch it strictly for the studio scenes. Most of the time it's for the studio scenes. Okay. Um, But what's really cool about that scene with him is that you're seeing Jay-Z, who even you know back in 2005 when this album came out was at like the peak of his career right before he retired Mm
3: -hmm.
2: retired in finger quotes um and he's taking direction from rick rubin yeah he's taking direction from any the fact that he's taking direction from anyone is wild enough to see speaks volumes because he's jay-z but yeah then you see you know they're walking around this guy's studio and they're like okay there's a bison that's weird yeah yeah uh, and there's a grammy over there for best country album for johnny cash yeah and we're making this rap record downstairs yeah. um i think my favorite rick rubin record like album might be um wildflowers by tom petty oh yeah do you remember that album oh yeah of course yeah um that's
0: a really good album i, <laughs> I bring up the track listing that.
2: I got in trouble. I still don't know. I don't know why I remember this, but in second grade, <clears throat> that song, the the first single from that album came out, which was, um, you don't know what, I don't know the, what the actual name of it, but you, you don't know, know what it's it like. Yeah. You don't know how it feels. Um, and there's a line oh, in there. Good, it was a good album. In the chorus. Yeah. Right. Look at that track listing. It's long. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a line in that chorus that's, <sighs> uh, let's roll another joint. Yeah, right. <laughs> in second Let's grade, get
0: to the throw another drum. My
2: my friend, you remember Chris Cancel? Yeah, he probably does not remember this at all. But uh he and I somehow knew this album, and we were singing it like for whatever reason in second grade. <laughs> and we were we heard. I had no idea what I
0: was saying, but it's we, so funny to think think back on like middle school you and like middle school chris Cancel. i cannot even imagine you two listening to wildflowers by i don't know why well it was because i our don't know par- why. it was because our parents were listening to it we had no right. idea we were in second right. grade it's not like we were music consumers or connoisseurs this is a this is a weird it is weird it's a weird thing um because you have this like not that i i don't know you have you have this conception of people that is most of the times wrong yeah. if you don't know them well or whatever but right uh anyway go ahead so we got the 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 end of the story is we got in trouble for
2: for yelling let's roll another joint across the classroom <laughs> yeah. to each other yeah and i it was just funny and i don't know why i remember that but every time i look at that album cover
0: that memory comes to my head yeah they roll another joint yeah <laughs> your parents were like what yeah are they doing back there yeah unlock the door <laughs> that was a great that was a great album yeah man that's he's that's ugh, such a bummer that he's gone yeah i uh
2: remember how weird that was, it was that it weird. was like oh he died no he didn't die there's he's in the hospital he's yeah. Fighting to
0: stay alive. Well, and he's on life he support. Died. So I know, I know the exact accurate story. Cause I have, I have a very, uh, um, very firsthand account of, of what happened there. Um, so first of all, I saw him a month for the first time, a month before he died. I saw him at the TD garden. Wow. So his lighting, um, his lighting engineer guy uh, is friends with Stephen Kellogg. So we got like, we got, crew passes backstage the whole the whole deal and they set up um the dude had had them set up right behind the front of house right behind the board our own riser with all our own seats that had our last names on each seat that is the most gangster thing with a white cooler right next to our feet that was filled with beer get the fuck out of here do whatever we wanted it was awesome um that same guy the night the night that he died he we were uh, I was playing a show with Steven. Oh, man, where the fuck was it? It was somewhere in the middle of the country and this dude his lighting designer was you know he he lived probably about 2 hours away and all this stuff with Tom Petty was going down and we we ended up he covering lived 2 hours away from
2: where you from guys where were playing we're,
0: from where we were playing. I can't remember for the life of me what the venue was, but it was a small place. It was uh kind of like a dinner club mm-hmm. so people it was all tables and stuff very intimate really small i don't even think i played a full drum kit i probably only played like a snare drum or something um so this dude rode his motorcycle after this news had broken Rode his miter motorcycle that he had died or that he was in the hospital that he was in the hospital because this guy like first name basis like had known him for like 20 years or something yeah so he was talking back and forth to the family and stuff so, he was having a rough time. Tom Petty's one of his best friends. Yeah. So, he shows up to the concert. We're playing uh, We're playing our songs, and then there's a portion in the show where we get up and play in the audience. Yeah. So, we played a, a Tom Petty tune. Dude walks into the back. We all know what's going on. We know him. We know what had happened, what had just been announced. Everybody, like, we're singing the song, and we're looking at him. He's crying we're crying. Everybody else in the room is crying. Wow. It was just like a super powerful moment. Yeah. But that wasn't even the best part. After everyone left the place, uh, the club, they like cleared everything out, set one table for all of us. So he was the uh, Tom Petty's lighting guy was uh, sitting at the table with us telling us all these stories about Tom and telling us you know, giving us updates about him in the hospital. And, uh, basically they knew that he was gone He He had already had, had, uh, brain damage, like whatever. Um, he had been unconscious for so long and, uh, he, they were just holding on, waiting for like some, some more of his family to go say goodbye before they, before they pulled the plug. Yeah. Um, so that was a pretty emotional night. Sure. But hanging out with him was, was, uh, was pretty cool to uh, hear some stories and and uh, you know to try to like comfort him. He, he yeah. was he was in a bad you know. Like, I'm sure man. He was having a tough time with that. But I forget what it was. Was it was it a heart attack that he had or wasn't it heart related? I don't know exactly. I feel I feel like it probably was like a stroke or a heart attack or something yeah. like that. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think it was any drug prescription drug related thing or yeah no whatever was... whatever your brain would automatically go to yeah um but i don't think it was anything like that i'm pretty sure it was it was just like natural yeah but it's fucking bummer man yeah that dude is
2: the dude it's kind of it's kind of crazy when um you know people that are in your lives you know, as a musician or an artist or someone that you look up to, when they pass away or when when something really bad happens mm-hmm. to them, um, you know, like you, like we said before, you kind of forget the human element of it. You know, when you listen to their music so much because they're just kind of a voice coming out of speakers, right? I think These um, people are untouchable. Yeah, and it it's really weird um, when you can step back and look at how emotional you can get. Mm when uh, like when michael jackson died i i cried yeah i was, that was i crazy. was genuinely upset it was it was so weird um you know all the circumstances around it yeah um because you kind of have this vision of like it's michael jackson right he's yeah. the he's the most fame most famous person in the world yeah he's got Millions of dollars. This guy is gonna die old in a bed forty years from now, surrounded by his family. That's how he's gonna go out, right? And then you get this jarring story of he he died. How there was a a drug overdose, and what the fuck is propofol and the doctor was involved? Especially when
0: it seems like this did not have to happen. That's when it. That's when it's like more upsetting for me. Yeah, exactly. like, Like when Prince, the Prince thing was crazy yeah I mean that was so upsetting I mean a week before that he was performing his ass off you know solo piano and yeah those clips of him performing like those last performances are 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 incredible he's still so good but you know these guys it's a it's a hard business it takes a physical toll yeah and you deal with it kind of any way that you can I guess yeah i i think but we m- still have the music yeah that's that's
2: true i think michael jackson especially had uh a, a very very hard time um my uh, no talk d- about fame man and weirdness of all fame. that yeah my my dad um had a good friend that ran the 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 facilities at one of the um the newport mansions years mm-hmm. ago and i guess michael jackson showed up to do some kind of photo shoot and this was in like the 80s right? Yeah. and prime time
0: michael jackson
2: yeah and apparently he was <clears throat> so out of it drug wise back then yeah that they had to like lift him out of the van to like go do whatever it is he was going to do so um i was shocked when michael jackson died the way he did when my dad heard about it he was like yeah that makes sense And I was like, what? And he told me the story and I went, oh shit, I didn't realize that that was a thing. But I guess when you grow up, you know, like we were talking about Justin Bieber earlier, when you grow up and you are that basically bludgeoned by fame that early, it just... Yeah. fucks you up and how do you not deform Fame form
0: a shot right into your veins yeah. literally
2: how do you not develop some kind of drug dependency or some kind of addiction or something yeah.
0: right or just like a social i don't know some kind of social handicap because you just uh that's the best way to describe it you're not socially handicapped because it's not the same the people around you aren't you don't live in the same reality as everyone else yeah so i mean if you're Michael Jackson and you need to basically get knocked out by the same medication that they put you under for surgeries and shit, like yeah. there's, I mean, you're not going to last too long. It's just not, your heart can't take that shit. And, no. and if it's, if he's doing every night, I can't believe he made it that long. Yeah. And it's that, fu- it's fucking crazy. And what doctors, man, and what kind
2: of <laughs> drugs do you have to do and develop a um, basically an immunity to at some point where the only thing left that will get you to sleep at night is like heavy anesthesia propofol medication, right? Yeah. It, dude, if I your sm- body
0: is so used to so much stuff at that point, man,
2: if I smoke if I take like three hits of a joint at nine o'clock at night, I'm fucking cooked. I'm I'm done out on the couch by like 1030 at the latest right there with you. Right. (laughs) If I have like two or three glasses of whiskey, I'm cooked. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what point do you have to get to where, you know, none of that works. You've far surpassed, you know, weed and alcohol and probably heroin where you need to do,
0: propofol i don't know man but i hope i get there soon that's <laughs> <laughs> all this waiting around it's pissing me off really yeah it's upsetting <laughs> yeah and when you when you have your when you trust in your doctor to like mm. make it cool <laughs> make it not make you not die and then you die oh that's brutal man this makes me think about I, I was at the doctor like all day today yeah oh yeah I, I got my eyes checked, went to the GI, GI doc. Well, the, fun.
2: the difference is you're going to a doctor that has other patients, right? And this, yeah. this is what this guy does. He sees well, my doctor m- wasn't,
0: isn't coming to my house and putting me to sleep. Every night. Well, no, that's my point. S- singing me a sweet lullaby and the, then putting me out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my point Yeah, is
2: he had this guy on payroll And as far as I know, he was basically just Michael Jackson's doctor. Yeah. Right? And so when you are... I don't know what he was paying the guy. I'm sure it was a lot. Um, Yeah. The guy was
0: on retainer for sure.
2: Yeah. So when you are making that kind of money, right it's very easy for morality to just go out the window, especially when it's someone so famous. Right. I'm sure he was a Michael Jackson fan, yeah. right? And you're taking care of Michael Jackson, and Michael Jackson is like, hey, here's your $100,000 yeah. check for the week or the and month putting, or whatever and, it is. And he's
0: putting pressure on you. To, and he's to putting do pressure yeah. on you. There's I no mean,
2: way. I'm not condoning it. I think anyone with a backbone would have should have stood yeah. up and said, no this is insanity yeah. i don't care how much you pay me
0: this is you're killing yourself that doctor was the ultimate yes man <laughs> the ultimate yes ultimate man Ultimate yes man like yeah. i am gonna administer oh god i can't even i can't even imagine that yeah like, it's just almost getting,
2: too depressing to even think about when was the
0: last time you went to the doctor i went to the doctor yeah uh i feel like this should be a segment on the show <laughs>
2: yeah musicians don't don't you know are are infamous for not taking good care of themselves. other
0: than other than me when um, he goes to the doctor it feels like every month
2: i the last time i went to i was i was at the dentist earlier this month the doctor
0: uh i don't know december oh that's pretty recent yeah that's good yeah i don't yeah people especially dudes yeah. don't go to the doctor enough don't get enough checkups Dude. Make sure you get checked up every year, or at least. When I f- The craziest
2: thing, when I first moved up here, um, I had to find a new doctor, which was weird. I had to find a new same, doctor. Same here. Yeah. It's a weird thing, right? Yeah. Because you you've been going to some- the
0: same guy forever. Exactly. And it's hard to, you know, you want to be comfortable with your doctor. Yeah.
2: So <clears throat> I went for my first checkup and I called again later at some point and said, all right, you know, I want to schedule my next year's physical And they were like, oh, you're 25, you're healthy. You don't need to come in for another five years. What? Five years. I was like, excuse me? That didn't sound right. I was so blown away. I was like, look, I "I don't really care what your opinion is here. My insurance pays for it and it's smart so I'm going to come the same time next year. So let's go ahead and make that appointment. Let's book that appointment. Yeah. That was the weirdest most off-putting thing. That doesn't seem uh, Yeah, just 5 years from now. That's crazy. You know. That's crazy. Do you know how many things could happen in 5 years? Yeah. Well, that's a
0: thing. I could grow another head yeah. in like 3 years. <laughs> People don't get checked checked out enough cuz I mean just because you go once a year doesn't mean something's going to pop. Something's not going to pop up, like, the and, day after you leave. Yeah, of course. Because it's totally, yeah. it doesn't work like, okay, you get checked and you're good for a year. You know, that's not how it works. Yeah. Anything can happen at any time. Right. But, man, yeah, I've been going a lot lately. It's, uh, it's good. I'm healthy. Yeah. I'm relatively healthy. Yeah. But it's just... uh It's a lot, man. Uh, Well, today, I was like a walking. I haven't had my eyes checked in a super long time. I used to wear glasses. Yep. Um, But I was like, all right, I might as well get this done. I had to get blood work done and stuff. So, I went in, and they luckily, someone had canceled. So, I went in, met the doctor. It was my first time in this spot. man she loaded my eyes up filled with drops like i couldn't feel my eyes or see for like four hours what yeah like they numbed them to get the pressure and all that stuff and then they dilated my eyes to you know look inside do whatever the fuck they do (laughs) (laughs) um turns out i need a new prescription yeah and then everything else is cool yeah but man it had been like five or six no it's been like almost 10 years since the last time I got my eyes checked. Holy shit. How different was it's your prescription? Time. Not too different. I mean, I have pretty good vision, but like at night, if I'm driving at night, I'd like things to be a little sharper than they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, reading, stuff like that. Being I can on, say
2: that sentence about a lot of things in my life.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, talking. I like to be a lot sharper than I am. <laughs> my marriage. I like to be a little sharper than I am. Um, but yeah, man, I just got poked and prodded all day today. Well, that's weird it was nice to get home yeah and then I got my haircut so then my more
2: poking more prodding yeah yeah Yeah. fabulous haircut by the way thanks
0: man you're very very attractive right now I, I went to a different spot um, oh god that's that's a big step well here's here's why I used to see this guy uh, for for a while uh, he used to cut my hair uh, for I don't know two or three years he was based in in Brighton um, he went on vacation, and I needed a haircut, so then I started going somewhere else. Yep, to and it's the worst. S- and someone recommended me to this person, and then I was with her for like a couple of years, and it was great. Yep. And I actually got a message from this dude. He's like, "Hey, why just stop coming?" Yeah. And, and it was a little awkward, but I don't know. There's, there's something about going to the barber. I don't know if you have barber loyalty and. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you have to. Yeah. So making that switch made me feel a little weird uh but when he finally came back he actually got his own place and i wanted to support and he gives gives a really good haircut so i wanted to support his new business and so i I went to go see him today yeah um so matt's barbershop in in brighton brighton center i highly highly recommend it he's a great dude
2: let's take a quick break because i desperately have to pee
0: yeah (laughs) All right, so that's it. That's part one of my conversation with Mr. Brandon Luciano. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I know I did. Please stay tuned for the music after this featuring Mike Slap. Mike Slap is the artist that Brandon Luciano manages and and produces, co-produces, all that good stuff. And again, please send in your ideas for the Patreon uh, to afterthegigpod at gmail.com. Also... Subscribe, rate, review, download, all that stuff. Um, It's it's been helping. It's been helping a great deal. So I really appreciate it. And I think that is it. Come uh, check out Carbon Leaf at Maymont on July 13th. Check out those dates uh, from Stephen Kellogg. And I hope you have a great week. Thank you. Bye.
1: I wanted to be a millionaire Until all the money piled up Sealed up, sealed up, now I'm sealed up inside of here. Can you see me on your TV? Hear me on your radio? I'm ready to go back home. I wanted to be a soldier until I saw all the bloodshed. Be alone, I'll be alone. I want to be alone inside of here. Cause I've seen too many wars. And I can't laugh anymore To be an astronaut until I was lost in a black boy. I wanna be, I wanna be, I wanna be beside you, girl. What I would give for gravity is to have you be and even mad at me. Da 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 da. I wanted to be a hero until I saw all the bad guys take you down. They want to take you down, want to take you down just cause you're good. Guess I would still be, don't let them turn my story around if they kill me. That every night the theme is something like party and sold out seats Nowadays I'm everything that I thought I'd be Standing at the top, I don't know if there's more to see Colors changing and falling down like autumn leaves So many lights, I only feel like I can sort of breathe Fall to my knees with audiences calling me Out on the stage and all they need is a hero to save the day My idols disappeared when they paved the way Changed shape under pressure like they made of clay I gotta be more than that but how do you handle the burden When every critic that's around you's trying to get a word in person Do you understand that's what I be And everything you ever wanted me to be was not me Now I'm at the top all you wanna do is copy Feeling like there's nothing anyone could do to stop me All that I ever wanted Wanted to be
3: me So why would you let me be Why would you let me